Hello, and welcome to Beatdown, a musical battle royale. I'm your host, writer, podcaster, and code monkey, Josh Brunell, and joining me on the podcast this week. She's an event planner, she's a baker, and she's one hell of a painter. She's Jennifer Lane, everybody. Good evening, Jennifer. Good evening, Josh. He's a chemist, he's a writer, and he can't wait for ABC to resurrect American Idol. It's Ed your John. It, wow. It's Edward Giordano, everybody. It's like I haven't said your name every week for almost a decade. I know, right? Um, I actually am genuinely excited for American Idol to come back because we are lacking serious music competitions. The, like, yes, the voice, the voice exists, but I also said we lack serious music competitions. So, <laughs> wow. like, there you go. We will serious definitely have to voice. do... We'll definitely have to do an American Idol episode and an American Idol beatdown. I don't know who our guest would be, but we'll have to do that. We can troll any bar in the Valley and find a former contestant. (laughs) That's actually true. I probably could get a hold of, uh, who was the one with the terrible teeth from season seven? uh, The one with the nice mom. You're you're talking about Elliot Yamin. Elliot Yamin. Season five. Uh, yes, I met him at the bar one night. Uh, And joining us as well, he's a writer, he's a producer, uh, and he's a goddamn shredder you guys he's brian lerner everybody good evening brian thanks josh glad to be back yeah welcome (laughs) to the uh podcast this week uh we are here to talk about songs that changed your life uh (laughs) so this is going to be the first episode that we're not sure how we're going to (laughs) argue yes i mean basically we're going to be defending our own life experiences exactly it could get really touchy well i I mean i think this is going to be one of those episodes about love as opposed to our episodes that are about like a knife fight This one's going to be pretty warm and cuddly. Uh, But I'm excited for it. But before we can get into the show, Jennifer, you saw Cher. I did. In concert, not like at the Trader Joe's. Not walking down the street in LA. No, I I took my mom to uh, to, to Vegas for Mother's Day for the weekend, and we saw Cher on Friday night. Oh my goodness. Amazing show. She's fantastic. Performed for about an hour and a half. You know, 40 minutes of it was probably costume changes, but the <laughs> the show was amazing. Her voice was amazing. She looks fantastic. And she just had really, really cool personal touching stories about, you know, her life and her experiences in, you know, the entertainment industry. And it was it was just such a fabulous night. It was just absolutely great. So two questions, one serious. You okay. get to guess which one is which. Uh, the first question is, does she still believe in life after love? And the second question... <laughs> absolutely does. Uh, actually, what I should have said is, uh, did she wear the outfit from the If I Could Turn Back Time video? Did she really? She did. She is oh 71 years old. She is 71 years old. And you know what? She looked fantastic in it. Oh my God. Okay, that wasn't even a serious question. But <laughs> now I, I, that's all I want to talk about. I mean, I, <laughs> do I, we know? I took a little video of it. Okay, we should describe know, for the like listeners. Being the worst, you know, concert goer on earth. But I did <laughs> took a couple of pictures and I took a little video of it. So yeah, no, she's fantastic. Uh, we should describe for the listeners the uh, if I could turn back time video from nine eighty nine, maybe no ninety. Over the year of that, video. I have no idea. No, but no, she's on a warship. It's and like surround- a battleship, yeah. yeah, she's on a battleship. She's surrounded by sailors mm-hmm. or seamen. And uh, she is wearing literally a, what is it? Like a mesh sea- translucent body, body suit. Body suit that is strategically covered even less so than, say, your typical bikini on the beach. And yes. a leather jacket and literally just a black strip Boots. over her naughty bits. Yep. It's... Yeah unreal she looked fantastic <laughs> wow i keep saying fantastic it it was it was really great and she she's just she's pretty impressive the when you think about 
you know, her, her life and her career and it, it, she achieved stuff that probably no woman of, you know, of, of her, uh, of her race, of her gender, um, in the sixties and seventies should have, I mean, she, she did, she's accomplished so much and, um, I found it really, really inspiring. That's unbelievable yeah. so she did she do all the hits like was she it did. all the old school she stuff did. she started off she started off with the news uh, with did her, she do with the and thieves then she went into you know her sunny and Cher days awesome. and she talked about you know how they were on the road and how uh they would they would they were doing this shtick um they were traveling the country for two years playing in bars and everybody hated them but they developed this like great repartee that you know after two years people were still hating them but they kept going and then that's what they turned into their variety show yeah. on tv and she had lots of video montages of that and it was really sweet she did a uh, a virtual duet with sunny where she had a, a screen of him singing to her and it was oh it's, it was i know it sounds <laughs> cheesy but in the moment it was really it was really well done it was really lovely and um but yeah she did uh gypsy uh tramps and thieves uh half breed um what was the other one of that time so it was just it was fantastic and then she came back and then she did she they did like a a set from burlesque with the full set and the (laughs) costumes um what else do they do and yeah and then then she she uh she ended with in the the mesh bodysuit um turn back time uh do you believe in love and i forget what the last one she did but yeah it wow. was <laughs> it was pretty great honestly it's like the best 70 dollars you can spend in vegas that's impressive all right i don't think i've ever seen a concert in vegas yeah yeah never it's actually a nice little arena it, it's i think one of the smaller ones it was it's the park theater at uh the monte carlo so it was it was very like every seat was good Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Well, Jennifer saw Cher, you guys. Yeah. So that's pretty hilarious. Uh, and a Cher impersonator. And a Cher impersonator the next night. <laughs> Ironically. Who looked equally good in the yeah. bodysuit. <laughs> the Cher impersonator costs more. Uh, no, that's a terrible. No. No, Cher, Cher is. I didn't know Cher was in Vegas. So that's pretty impressive. It's a limited run. Good for her. Yeah. There you go. That's pretty exciting. It's limited um, to when she dies. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? The funny thing is, she did make a joke about how she's been doing um, a final tour or farewell tour for the last twenty years, yeah. and she did True. say it's yeah, when I die, <laughs> that'll be the final final. The thing about Cher, though, is she's one of those really unique actresses or singers and this performers, performers in this case, yes. where she has kind of like had a significant cultural moment once a decade, with mm-hmm. the exception of the two thousands. You, oh, yeah. you can really talk about like if I could turn back time was a huge comeback for her. Mm-hmm. And then later, Believe was a huge comeback for her. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it's that's not an insignificant thing to think that she had mm-hmm. huge hits in the 60s, 70s, 80s, mm-hmm. you know, and 90s. Yeah. That's a that's that's not a bad career when no. you think about it. Well, we are here for a beatdown wherein we choose a theme and each of us brings a song that we think is the ultimate representation of that theme. We will make our picks present them to you the listener at which point we will argue that ours is the best and you will vote and tell us who you think won uh this week our theme is songs that changed your life uh but last week our theme was songs about the road uh ed brought johnny marnell's reality show classic where i need to be uh, i brought robbie folks's country 
song uh, <laughs> where there's a road uh, jennifer brought the far superior the long way around by the dixie chicks uh but it was mike axelson who won with some white names white snakes are you serious i don't know with uh, white snakes on <laughs> it was here i go again oh really <laughs> wow uh brian uh thoughts on white snake um do you really want to get go down this rabbit hole <laughs> <laughs> give me uh, the two-minute version <laughs> i mean i white snake was one of my ultimate uh, bands when I was in high school and learning how to play guitar. The the, wow. this, the music video for Still the Night was like this eye-opening, crazy turning point for me um, <laughs> where I just, they were bigger than life and that song was, you know, it definitely had like the Zeppelin feel going on so it almost was like Zeppelin for my generation in yeah. a way. Even though I listened to Zeppelin at the time, it was like, oh, you know, it's just like bigger and like crazier than Zeppelin now. Um but I loved them. I was obsessed with them. I would go to like guitar clinics with the two guitar players. I, I went to drum clinics with the drummer. Oh my gosh! Um, like yeah, anything they were doing, I was I, that was in New York. I was there. And um, actually, um, one of the greatest shows of my life was um, Third Row Madison Square Garden. White Snake opening up for Motley Crue. Wow! And it was just <laughs> yeah, I was like sixteen, and the greatest thing that could ever happen. They were free tickets too. Oh my gosh! Uh, even better. Even better. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, I loved White Snake. <laughs> Let's get into it. I have put our names into the randomizer. And Ed, you're up first. Ed, tell us, what did you bring for this Songs That Changed Your Life beatdown? Um, well, I came into this theme a little... Uh, I wasn't sure what to do. So I kind of went a little on the nose. I'm like, well, I mean, this did affect my life. And I, <laughs> um, and this... So, so yeah... I was struggling with this song, with this song choice. Like, there's lots of songs that, like, affect me in different ways, but, like, what has really changed the course of my life? And I'm like, well, I guess maybe this song did because it gave me a predisposition to a city that I eventually moved to, like, many years later. So I'm like, well, okay. Uh, this is from Vanessa Carlton's uh, criminally underrated second album, Harmonium, and it is called San Francisco. I... I know what you did Like a boy of summer Gives his first kiss So this album is, is uh, the entire album was produced by Stephen Jenkins from Third Eye Blind. Wow. So so that so that brought like like the cute piano melodies from Be Not Nobody, 
was finally brought with these like percussive elements that Stefan brought to the brought to the product uh, brought to the brought to Vanessa's work. And honestly, Harmonium is my favorite Vanessa Carlson record. There's some great songs on there, like I like I love White Houses. That's like a classic, and I love Private Radio and Say La Vie. And there's like uh, there's some there's like a bunch of great tracks on this album. But San Francisco. I ended up moving to the city many years after I heard after I got this album, like <laughs> like literally a decade later. And it get like 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 so when I came here for the first time, I was like, oh, I've I I know one does get coffee in the mission, one <laughs> does drink wine in the marina. I know this is things that happen. So and then since then, I've done lots of coffee and lots of wine. So uh, uh, it's honestly, I came I I kind of came to this being like I. Like, I'm probably going to lose this week. That's okay. Um, no one took me up on my offer to send me that they were going to listen to the Platinum Hits album on Spotify <laughs> and I'd follow them. And I'm, like, a little disappointed in all in Aww. all of my listeners. Like, not one person could say they listened to this. It isn't, like, it isn't painful. Just listen to it. Um, but I will extend <laughs> the offer this week. With if you're listening, if you're listening to Harmonium, I will I will follow you on the Twitter and you send me a picture that you're listening to it. Like my standards are low, uh, so yeah, this is a pretty song, and I I think Stefan Jenkins really took Vanessa Carlton in a way that excited me, but did not land well with the populace. Now, Vanessa Carlton to 99.9% of America uh, is, of course, a thousand miles. And to the other 0.1% is her doing backup on the Counting Crows Counting cover. Crows. Yeah. <laughs> of, of, <laughs> oh, my uh, gosh. The parallels tonight. Uh, yeah. Parative, uh, uh, pave paradise and uh, put up a parking lot. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, Ed, what is the pitch on Van- Vanessa Carlton? Like, like, what is so impactful about her music to you? I mean, she's the... Shell Crow, Annie DeFranco of my generation, in my opinion. That's a very interesting hmm. sentence. Explain. Tell me more. Like she's the she's the singer songwriter. Like of like you had like a little bit before me. You might have had Liz Fair in there. Like she was the singer songwritery type. That her and Michelle Branch were on a parallel track. Michelle was guitar and Vanessa was piano, and eventually they flipped and they flipped back between their between their various albums. Oh, okay, uh, so you're staking it more on the singer songwriter, like female singer songwriter, yeah, of it. Okay. Female solo single songwriter that had pop hits. That gotcha. is that is what I'm saying about them. Maybe Andy Franco <laughs> might be the a little bit of a grasp there, but. Yeah. Maybe. She never had a pop hit. Yeah, Yeah, she never had a pop hit. Ani DeFranco, like, so she, Ani DeFranco was massive when I was in college. And um, she, her allure was less the singer songwriteriness of it and more the girl power um, uh, feminism of it, which at the time was reasonably rare. Mm -hmm. Um, And (laughs) so I know that was really the, one of the main attractions to her music in that period. That and that living in clip is fucking great. But (laughs) she had a really interesting guitar style. Yeah which I always loved. And we used to call my buddy Jared the the, the male version of Ayn DeFranco because he was super influenced by her in college. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. Wasn't Annie known for using unconventional chords? Like, that's like a yeah. thing that's... She tuned the guitar differently for every song, and it was very percussive. Yeah. Her style's very percussive, and she pretty much everything about it is like you can't learn it in a book. Um, she kind of did it all herself. She had that in common in common with Joni Mitchell and Jewel, actually, also known for very strange guitar tunings. Wow. And Johnny Resnick from the Goo Goo Do- from the uh, that other band I don't like. Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah. Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Let's never talk about him on the show again. But- <laughs> so 
bringing it back to this song that Ed's picked, I have to point something out. That gets that keyboard part is a complete ripoff of the song "Runaway" by Bon Jovi. <laughs> it's the it's like the exact oh same progression. I don't know that song. Oh, you know the song, but I I didn't I didn't get it. I mean, it but now I now it's all I can, <laughs> now that's all I can hear. You know. <laughs> I don't know Runaway off the top of my head. I mean, people see, see, people bon see a little uh, progressions all the time, right? Like, that's <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, no one's, no one's asserting that she sat down and said, I'm going to rip this yeah, off yeah, from yeah. Bon Jovi. Uh, but it is funny when people use the same progression and kind of stumble onto it. Uh, well, uh, that's pretty interesting. Jennifer, what do you think of Vanessa Carlton's San Francisco? Well, so, I mean, it's, once again, I'm saying, Ed, it's a pleasant song. I, I just don't feel like it's very dynamic. And, I mean, to me, she's always, you know, the one that did the uh the cover of green sleeves and that's a great song it is such it's such a beautiful like her voice in that uh it was on the um first maybe this christmas okay the the, the first maybe this christmas which was which is a which is a great which is a great album uh, a great collection of holiday tunes um so that's that's what i always hear and i and i i mean i think that was the first time i actually heard her and i loved the, the the tone and the fragility of her voice and this one it's it's very nice <laughs> but uh and now all i hear is runaway <laughs> thanks brian brian any other thoughts on vanessa carlton uh no i mean i'm trying listen I'm, it's not a song for me but like i'm trying to judge it on what it means to ed mm-hmm. and his life and i think that's the important part you know yeah. and and there's you know yeah it's like it was the precursor to this big moment in his life and this big change and mm-hmm. uh helped him get through it is what i'm getting from him so well yeah. it's it's just like it's very cool i i can't as i said i struggled with this song be like this whole theme because i'm like well what song like really affected me and like in like a tangible way and like I, I i was like well i did eventually move here so i have to think that that this song and listening to harmonium a gazillion times like like gave me this predisposition to liking it like oh when so when the job opportunity came i obviously jumped at it but i probably would have jumped at like most job opportunities (laughs) you're not making a good case there i'm I'm coming i'm I'm coming into this two weeks in a row with every intention of losing but (laughs) but next week i i am prepared for next week so Uh, well that is ed's pick for this week uh, san francisco by vanessa carlton the randomizer has jennifer up next so jennifer what did you bring for this songs that changed your life well it's similarly to Ed. Um, I was at a point in my life where um, I, I, I needed a sign. I needed I needed a sign. I was I was, you know, doing everything just just well enough to get by. Um, and then that's when I joke that we had parallels because um, I was I was at a point where I just I, I needed that extra nudge and I was I was working three jobs I was working uh, a, a temp job full time at a tech company in Cambridge I was working two part time jobs and they were like on the North Shore and then on the South Shore of Boston so I was constantly in my car and I was constantly just going through the motions and again I was I was doing everything right just you know just to get by. And uh, a friend of mine had said, hey, I'm thinking of um, taking this job. It's it's actually in L.A. And, um, you know, like, 
you, you, you seem to be in this position where, you know, you could probably move as well. So, um, so I started thinking, I'm like, oh, you know, I've, I've been to LA a couple of times. I really like the area. I've always been interested in, you know, the, the entertainment industry, like movies were really big with my family growing up. Um, and I could always see myself living on one coast or the other, like, Sorry, middle of the country. I just, it's something about being <laughs> close to uh, water. But um, so I was working uh, one of my jobs and I was, f- for some reason, I, I, something happened and I ended up on the reception desk and I'm sitting there and I'm just really bummed out about everything in life right now. I'm thinking, I've got three part time, three jobs that I'm going nowhere at. I'm not in a relationship. Everybody else has kind of figured out their life and has moved on. And all of a sudden, the uh, Counting Crows Long December came on. And I heard the line, if you think you might come to California, I wish you were. I think you should. Uh. And I just kind of got this moment of, okay, this is the nudge. A long December. There's reason to believe Maybe this year will be better than the last I can't remember The last thing that you said as you were leaving All the days go by so fast And it's one more day up in the canyon one more night in Hollywood If you think that I could be forgiven I wish you would And, you know, Adam Duritz turned out to be a bit of a shithead, but God, <laughs> like that dude can write a line and nobody sounds like him. Yeah. I mean, this, this song, um, it just, it hit all the right notes for me. So the, again, the Counting Crows, it's from their second album, Recovering the Satellites. I think it was like their second single. Um, the album was produced by Gil Norton, who did a, he produced a lot of albums for a, a lot of what they were calling alternative rock at the time. And um, in this, there's something about this. I mean, I called it, even back then, I called it Moby Rock. And then that's what I was really into. Like, this is, you know, well, also when I was discovering Elliot Smith, it's, it just, it really, it just, just really, I, it's something I connected with. And in addition to that one line, which was, I'm not joking. I was just sitting at the reception desk, zoning out, thinking, this is stupid. What am I doing with my life? And I heard that line, and it was just like, oh. I mean, it still took me three years to actually pull the trigger and make it happen. But I just, you know, I don't I don't believe a lot in signs. I think, you know, we can we can turn anything into a sign. You know, I can say, oh, my gosh, that, that light just flickered because I had this thought, and that means 
that thought is the right thought because you know I must act on it. So I mean anything can be turned into a sign. But actually, that's that's usually a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, I don't believe in signs, but I totally believe in ghosts. <laughs> that means someone's walked across your grave. Right. Definitely. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, all those things. But um, and and I know you guys will disagree because I I think I already know where you fall on this song. I I love this song. I think it's I think it's really beautiful. Um, you know, like some of the lyrics I think are a little cheesy, you know, all oysters, no pearls, that type of thing. But the, the symbolism in it and, you know, the, the idea of a long December, I mean, December, okay, it's the last month of the year. It's, uh, the, the, the first month of winter. Uh, there, there's so much going on. Uh, you know, you, you get to, once you hit that 12th month, you, you're, you're just forced to look back like what did I do with my life for the last 11 months and and for whatever reason we record it you know from January to December like it's not like July to June or whatever we for some reason January to December so once you hit December there's all this pressure it's sort of like Sunday night it's like Sunday night anxiety <laughs> like what did I do with my weekend <laughs> we're recording this at 7 30 on Sunday, Sunday night, night by the way just so the listeners know <laughs> to, to, to put it all into perspective so the idea of a long December you're 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 now at the point where you're not only reflecting on you know what you've done for the year you you're going into a, a, a bleaker weather system and then you're also forced with all of these holidays where you're supposed to be joyful and supposed to be happy and grateful and all these things but maybe you had a crappy year and, and maybe maybe your life isn't where it's supposed to be so now you're just being you know, put in the position where you, you have to pretend that everything's okay. And the song is, you know, a, about a person who's being reflective and, it, and, it, and it's melancholy and there's regret, but there's also a hint of hopefulness, like, okay, you know, maybe this year will be better than before. So it's, it's sort of like you're, you're at the end of the year and, you know, you're at this end of this, hopefully, a not so great phase in your life and and you're getting the opportunity to 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 start fresh and 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 maybe do better and have better things so for me it was you know it's 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 kind of corny uh, but i just i love this song wow well, okay I've, tell me why it's horrible well i have two real distinct <laughs> me- memories about this song one was uh i worked nights for two years as a younger man producing a morning news show and uh so i i worked nights and i remember thinking i wore a sweater for two years straight because it was always you know kind of chilly yeah. and uh this song came on in the radio as i was driving home from work uh at one point and just feeling like i it has been december for two years like Ugh. it's always dark outside yeah. i'm always wearing a sweater and i'm always tired yeah. <laughs> like it's been two years of december uh the other thought i have about this song um and we actually just mentioned this i might have told this story on the show but um i was obsessed with august and everything after the first counting mm-hmm. crows record i think as we all kind of were in, in 96 or 95 I was obsessed with it and then this album came out recovering the satellites the second counting crows album and I went immediately first day and bought it and hated it just didn't like it at all but because I invested $15 in that purchase I lived with this record and I listened to it over and over and over again because you know it was before streaming like if you mm-hmm. invested the money you listen to the record and it is now by far my favorite 
um, counting Crow's record. I think recovering the satellites is just, it's taken all the things I like on August and everything after added layers and distortion Mm -hmm. and all kinds of weightiness to it. I don't, I think the difference is like, there's a little bit more promise on August. And then on this album, they're just kind of like, fuck it. Like they're just (laughs) bummed. That said, this is my least favorite song on that record. I, it's so like mopey is the right word, but like all of August is the most mopey record, but like, it's still, it's like mopey. It's, I don't know. I, there's more like, it's more upbeat, but still the lyrics are, are, a little sadder and, and a little deeper. I think August, he's like examining his mopiness a little bit more. And <laughs> there's like pageantry to his mopiness. And then this song is just like. He's staring into the curb. I mean, the, vid- the music video was literally Courtney Cox writing in her yes. journal before committing suicide in a bath. I'm like, no, that was it's... the whole video. <laughs> no, she's, she's just sitting in a dark enclosed space (laughs) a dark enclosed space being all sad well i mean that was the other thing too it's like okay i mean i was mildly obsessed with friends in the 90s and you know i'm like yes she was dating him in real life and the um they was she really oh yeah oh yeah he dated her and And jennifer Jennifer adam duritz man yeah yeah there you go but i mean and it was it was it was just like this, like, oh my gosh, when I when I can't get enough friends, I now have, you know, this this guy who's, you know, writing songs for and, you know, putting her in the video and you know, <laughs> yes, like the sad, most romantic sad Monica. Possible. I know, yeah. right? <laughs> yes, I, I, I do think having somebody write a song about you is pretty romantic. Get on that. <laughs> Brian, thoughts on the getting crows? Well, I was obsessed with them too. But unlike you, when this album came out, I was blown away immediately because of the things you mentioned that you learned yeah. to love. I mean, they added these the distorted guitars. The the songs are so if you listen to them with headphones especially, you know, you oh my hear God. all the nuances. There is so much layering going on. And yeah. Incredible mm-hmm. little melodies that get that are just hidden, you know? And and it was this bigger than life feeling that as much as I loved August, like that was a much sadder contemplative album this mm-hmm. one brought that but infused it with like energy that was lacking in the first album and they mm-hmm. just yeah i just think this entire album is incredible but long december <laughs> um and again this is the song i'm critiquing and I'll, not my personal not, experience not your yes. personal life experience around it but i accept the, that. the song like i'm not one that is immediately turned off by songs that are overplayed on the radio but this song was over oh my god radio. it was played oh yeah. you could not escape this so song. that's part of the reason why i, I have trouble with it and i think it was like the last single too i feel like the no, album it, had been out forever it was the second single out. wow it was only their second single because the angels in the silences with the was the first single and that's a killer song i mean it, it only made i think it only went to number five on the charts like it might have hit number one in canada mm. but i i don't think it you know for all of its airplay and then the funny yeah. thing is i know i had heard it and i know i had the cd but i do feel like in that moment when i was sitting in you know in in kendall square in cambridge in this little startup tech company listening to i was listening to the radio over like an alarm clock like we were <laughs> it was that startup i feel like it was the first time i heard the song and i feel like I was supposed to, mm-hmm. in a way, hear it for that time. So, yeah. For the first time. 
It's awesome. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I took it personally. It's just again. a. It's a compared to the rest of the album, it's a. It's the most simplistic song, and yeah. I think it doesn't have the emotion mm-hmm. that the other songs do, or what Adam Duritz is capable of. Yeah. But um, uh, I think yeah, there's that moment you had, mm-hmm. like that's what we're all searching for, right? right. With music, yeah. we want music to understand us and mm-hmm. give us a sign and tell yeah. us what to do, make us feel, like make us move. Yeah. So. And it's and it's funny you say that like it was the most simple one. He actually he did write it over a short period of time. Um, a friend of his was in a car accident, and he'd actually been going to visit her at the hospital for a month, and then was like visiting some friends. And in in the conversation he actually had at you know two a.m. when again these are pieces from the song conversation he had with some other friends. He went back and then he wrote it, and the vocals he actually recorded on the sixth take i think it was so essentially the song was recorded live but then they uh they they added in the harmonies afterwards so Hmm. i mean maybe that's part of it because it was um you know a a a direct response to an an actual experience he was going through you know they were in the process of recording their second album and then you know this thing happened and he was you know, spending so much time with this person in the hospital. So I think, you know, maybe it was, you know, put together so quickly that maybe it doesn't feel as yeah, it, it, complete or, you know. It doesn't feel part deep. of the, the album. Yeah. It feels yeah. like an afterthought. Yeah. And that's part yeah. of my issue with it. But, you know. Hey, yeah. What do I know? It also kind of harkens you know into what the band became. <laughs> uh, Ed, what do you think about the uh, the long, a long December by The Counting Crows? Uh, I'm not as familiar with the coming crows as you guys are <laughs> uh, all i really know prior to like today and listening to this was probably big yellow taxi no that's the one yes because because of vanessa carlton yeah oh yeah not mr jones the rain king yeah my favorite there's our other parallel so ed and i each have songs that uh you know gave us direction sent us to the west coast and vanessa carlton is our our link (laughs) as <laughs> our muse i guess um uh i was you were you were talking about how certain things like like while they might have been in your life beforehand it it takes you you need to be in the right spot at the right time for it to actually sink in for it to actually uh, subconsciously affect you and i feel that way some sometimes about like random things like podcasts or songs like like i could have heard that podcast already or i could have heard that song before but like at that moment i was ready to hear the message that it was trying to give Mm -hmm. me and i'm i'm glad i'm glad you had that experience and so there you go that's pretty epic (laughs) and now we're both on the the west coast and hey if i didn't hear that song and i didn't move to the west coast i wouldn't have met josh and then I would have met you guys. She's sold it. I, I need to save some of this for later. She's making a poll. Uh, well, I guess that means that is Jennifer's pick, uh, Along December by Counting Crows. Uh, and that puts me up next, and I'm going to continue the chain because uh, Ed started with Vanessa Carlton, uh, who did a song with the Counting Crows. And the Counting Crows <laughs> was a band that, um, you know, right around like this desert life, I was kind of like, okay, uh, you guys you guys had your fun. Uh, and they started, I kind of stopped caring as much about the Counting Crows. And then they kind of became like... they got looped into this 90s kind of dad rock thing and I wrote them off uh, but then an artist that I really respect and love and adore uh, started talking about how much he loves them and wishes that people would check them out and that artist is 
Frank Turner. Uh, Frank Turner, whom I'm kind of obsessed with and has come up on the podcast before. Um, so let me just tell the story of this particular song and why I brought it tonight. Um, 2015-2016, real tough years for Josh. Uh, 2014, at the end of 2014, we shot House by the Lake. Uh, 2015, I was pretty unhappy in my job. Uh, 2016, I was so unhappy in my job that I ended up quitting my job because that seemed like a better option uh, than how I was feeling at the time. Um, And it was just a really sad time where kind of I'd spent my whole life working toward um, one goal, which was to make a movie. And I made a movie and it became one of the hardest possibly unfortunate things I'd ever done. And I kind of lost all of my footing and I didn't really understand. Well, not to be too melodramatic. I kind of felt like I didn't really know my place in the world. And I didn't really know like what I was working for. I'd worked all this time for something and it turned out to be not what I'd hoped. And I was feeling incredibly lost and just not sure what to do next. I I, I was really, I remember just feeling at that time, just kind of feeling like, what's the next thing going to be? Uh, What's going to pull me down the road? And one day I was listening to the International Waters podcast uh, hosted by your friend and mine, Dave Holmes, uh, whom I'm also kind of obsessed with. Uh, But he just at the very end of his show, as he was leaving, he was like, oh, and by the way, everybody go listen to Get Better by Frank Turner. And I was like, I've never heard of any of those words, but I'm going to Google it up. And after two minutes and 15 seconds, because it's an extremely short song, um, I... I was kind of just blown away. I felt like I felt like this very stupid song was saying everything I needed to hear in that moment. And uh, this is Get Better by Frank Turner. I got me a shovel And I'm digging a ditch So that's Frank Turner, uh, Get Better by Frank Turner from his album, Positive Songs for Negative People. Anybody ever went into a lab? What's that? I should be listening to that. I was going to say, never has an album title been more 
perfectly suited for Josh. That's true. Um, I've seen him now in concert, I think, five times uh, over two years. I'm looking um, at two concert posters on the wall. On the wall, yeah. I have him. I had him write "Get Better" on that one because yep. at the time that was his single. Right. Um, so. Frank Turner, singer-songwriter uh, from Wessex, uh, England. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got his start actually in punk and hardcore bands. He had a reasonably successful band called Million Dead or A Million Dead, uh, which broke up. And then he kind of reinvented himself as this folk singer-songwriter from a very DIY punk tradition. His shows, uh, even though it's largely a, a it's a very singer songwriter type band it's him with a keyboard player and a drummer and and all these people uh, that you would imagine to see but they play incredibly loud and there is moshing and jumping and it's just insanity um and it it just kind of hits me in all the right places frank turner like his music being being rock with a very kind of anthemic bent to it um coming from a folk tradition where these songs really are lyrically based and have this these great four on the floor rhythms across the middle i mean it it just it's just everything that i want out of a live show you know he he'll sing a song that makes you cry and then he does this song and you run around and crash into people and it's just madness and it's it's fantastic so i highly recommend frank turner um this is what i needed to hear in that moment and it's still kind of what i think i need to hear a lot which is like we can get better because we're not dead yet and the whole concept that like he he there's a woman in the song who draws a line across his broken heart and says honey now let's fix this mess it's just kind of you know someone lifting him up in this moment and being like you can get better you're not gone yet you have opportunities there's still hope um i don't know that i have heated the advice all the time but it is definitely a song that uh kind of has become my security blanket over the last uh two years and is wildly important to me and uh it's hard not to be excited when this song comes on you jump around for two minutes and 45 seconds and then you and then it's over and you're kind of like all right that's cool um there's also a great bridge that we didn't get to where he talks about um uh it's it's just the numbers tangled up in your thumbs. It's just a tune that got stuck in your head. Kind of like your sadness is just something that you are stuck on right now. It's just, uh, uh, and you can work it out. Uh, he always says you can, and you can work it out with your fingers. This concept in his case of you can work it out. If you play music, if you create something, if you're being creative, it's not that the world is broken. It's just that something has happened that is like dominating your brain and that you can work it out with your fingers in his case, playing the guitar. Uh, it's, it's just freedom. Like this is my freedom music and I love it. So, uh, I have one, one of the reasons we started this podcast is so that I could talk about Frank Turner and I finally got to do it. (laughs) and I think that this song is phenomenal Uh, that is my pick uh, for these songs that changed my life Jennifer I'll let you talk because you Uh, (laughs) I've dragged you through my Frank Turner journey over the last two years I mean I guess this is interesting because I have I was actually you know present in your life I was there (laughs) this was this was interesting I remember the first day you sent me the video so first of all definitely check out the video the video is amazing it's just it's a, I don't know if it's his hand or somebody else's hand and all you see is uh, is somebody's hand with a sharpie 
actually writing out the lyrics and and different things and it's just it's a very fun video uh it's visually interesting and it, it really allows all of the lyrics to sink in so so okay so i've you know been together many years and you know i was there for 2014 and 2015 and you know being you know meshed in everything that you were experiencing at that time seeing you find the emotional and um, I say almost physical release because you know this 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 song you know makes you jump makes you shout makes you you know just get all of what's going on in you out so um, watching you watching your response to it and watching you know the 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 positive effect it has on you and it's it's been it's wonderful and yes i wish it could have just been (laughs) (laughs) but you know it's like like you can't like yeah it's it's like that's not really how marriage works yeah (laughs) that's not how yeah relationship yeah yeah. works you can't go to just one thing you're so you're supportive and you you know, you 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 listen, you 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 support, you help, you encourage. But, um, but yeah, no, I mean, just 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 watching you discover this song and this artist and and how much it's meant to you. And so you've been to five of the concerts. I think I've been to two or three of them. And it is, it's 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 kind of it's it's this um, it's just a a a total like re- almost religious experience. Like it just. You know, like, yeah, you're like going to, you know, a Baptist church and just, you know, having the, you know, you know, power overcome you and the, the, the joy <laughs> and everything. So it's uh, it's pretty it's pretty amazing. And it is a super fun song that uh, will inevitably inevitably show up on uh the jukebox at happy hour so yeah if i'm at if, if there's a jukebox the snug, yeah. i'm gonna pull up this song <laughs> uh because it's probably better than whatever yeah. garbage people play on jukeboxes uh, <laughs> brian you've heard me talk about frank turner a million times what do you think of this and song is this the, the first time you've ever heard of him before yeah i was gonna say like for all the times i've heard you talk about him you never play me any of his music so <laughs> i didn't really know what to expect and i actually really dug it there's, there was a line, I don't know why it stuck out to me. Uh, I got me a future. I thought that was a great line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a cool song. Um, you know, that's when, when music's at its best, it yeah. pulls you out of something that you need to get pulled out of. So I'm glad that this did it for you. Yeah. Ed, what do you think of Frank Turner's Get Better? I love the driving uh, guitars. It's like, it's like I totally hear you in this song and the sentiment that this song has of like like life shit and there's hope is something that really can resonate with with pretty much anyone I feel but certainly I see it I see and like yeah like 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 it's like all these promises that are that possible like could have worked out should have worked out and they just they just like things aren't the way you think they're gonna be. You're like, oh, if only if only I do this, everything will be better. Spoiler alert: <laughs> lies. If only that. Ha- it's like your whole life is a yes, but or which is better than being a no and, of course. But <laughs> but I'll take a but. So so a yes, but like oh, you got here's the thing you wanted, but or as I said, better than 
you don't get the thing you want and you don't get other things. That's the, that's the, <laughs> with that being the alternative, I'll take the yeses. So yes, this is a, this is, this, when I was going through the songs today, this is my favorite song that was pulled, chosen for this, like hands down. Well, thank you. That's I'm. This makes me really happy because there's always that worry where, that you're going to be like, this thing is really special to me. What do you guys think? And they're like, meh. But it makes me happy that everybody <laughs> enjoyed the song today. Uh, well, let's turn it over to you, Brian. Uh, you uh, you brought a pretty definitive early 90s song. So tell us uh, what your choice is for this Songs That Changed Your Life beatdown. Yeah, I was reluctant. But when the topic, when the theme came up and you approached me, the first song that came into my head was Alive by Pearl Jam from their first album, 10. Um, and yeah, you know, talk about overplayed songs at the time. It was like nonstop on the radio. But I really, I, I stuck with the song because there are two reasons why it ch- sort of ch- changed my life. And one of them, the stronger one actually is sticks with the music in my life and where, where I continue to go mu- musically. Because Prior to Pearl Jam and this song coming coming out and getting on my radar, as you and the audience should know by now, I was a metalhead. <laughs> so like you know, I had long hair and I played guitar and I, well, I still do. And but I was playing you know heavy metal in bands and like my whole life was really just focused on that world of music. And I, I not that I was completely dismissive of other types of music, but I was just really so focused on metal. So that was my my life. And then suddenly this band Pearl Jam comes out and, you know, it's just the start of the Seattle scene. And some some people say Nirvana is their entry into Mm -hmm. that movement. But Pearl Jam was for me. Pearl Jam was the first thing. And I always loved them more. So Alive comes out and it just like totally changed my whole outlook on music. And I think I was also at a period in my life where, you know, I was kind of depressed in high school. I didn't. I didn't have a horrible high school experience, but it, it was it was less than fulfilling. And I was going through, you know, like everyone does, you know, contemplating identity and, you know, girls. I thought playing guitar and having long hair, I'd have all the girls in the world and it didn't work out that way, <laughs> you know, and like wasn't really sure where I was headed. And I think I went from, you know, metal being more, you know, an angst sort of out outlet. And then Pearl Jam made me think like oh i can be emotional about my feelings i can Mm -hmm. be more contemplative it's not aggression that i'm feeling it's it's it was something different and that song was the first time i really felt you know that i i it made me feel comfortable that i could feel that way and um i had a new way to sort of release what was going on inside of me so that was the start of it but then like musically I mean, I sold my heavy metal Kramer slick black guitar and bought a Telecaster, you know, like I was sold. I'm like, yeah, I want to play. I want to be a different type of musician. I want to play different types of music and I want to listen to different types of music. And I did. I abandoned metal as the world did. But I was like on board. And um, I, that was the pivotal moment for me musically, because then I went into college and I was so much more open to hearing different types of music and exploring bands that i never heard of or genres and i actually built a lot of friendships because of that too so in terms of like life changes like i don't think i would have met some of the closest friends in my life if it wasn't for this new appreciation for different types of music and wanting to be exposed to more because mm-hmm. in college I, I mean it was from pearl jam and then the next i always say the, ne- the next band in line was uh, sunny day real estate but i never would have gotten to sunny day real estate if i didn't get hooked on pearl jam and that song alive 
way back when. Yeah. So it just led me down this path where then, you know, Ryan Adams later on, like I never would have been this guy musically mm-hmm. if, if Alive didn't come into my life at that specific time. So that's my major pitch why I chose the song. <laughs> but then there are also the themes of like, you know, struggling, you know, I'm, I'm still alive, like wanting to be recognized, you know, wanting to be acknowledged that your presence matters, you know, and, you know, being rejected by girls in school and like not, I, I was part of like this weird group that like knew, like kind of knew all the different groups in high school, but we were all like, not outcasts, but like weren't jocks necessarily. And even though I was a musician, I didn't hang out with the, all the, like, the other like music dudes because they were mm-hmm. all like smoking a lot of weed and wearing too much denim and like <laughs> and I wasn't that type of guy so um I was yeah the song spoke to me on that level too it's just like yeah you just want to yell sometimes and, like notice me you know like validate my existence and uh so yeah those are that's uh, myself Stone Gossard's most indelible riff, right? I mean, he has some good riffs, but that riff on Alive is pretty. Yeah, it's, it's pretty memorable. It's his uh, sweet child of mine, you know. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, but yeah, so yeah, it's funny. I haven't listened to this song in a really long time, and I still like it. I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a little on the fence, but still. <laughs> yeah, I, um, but yeah, it's just. It, you know, I was working. Uh, I was working weekends at a flea market when this album came out, and uh, this big flea market on Long Island at Roosevelt, this old Roosevelt racetrack. It was turned into the parking lot; just became a flea market. And I remember there was a kid that was a drummer that I was really friendly with, and and we both were like discovering Pearl Jam at the same time, and we also start decided we should start playing together, and we tried jamming <laughs> together a few times because we were just like kind of on the same way wavelength but it never went anywhere um but yes i have all these memories of that summer working this horrible heat and uh this album coming out i think i got my ear pierced (laughs) (laughs) the memories of youth yeah (laughs) anyway that's great ed what what do you know about pearl jam how do you what do you think of alive uh of the three songs from you guys this is the only one that i heard of prior till today (laughs) wow (laughs) 
So um, I, I enjoyed this song. I thought it like it, it has a positive message. And I was in, I'm into like, I, I need to get understand more of this grunge scene. I feel like it's making a comeback with Milky Chance, which I know might be blasphemous to you guys. Is that a band? But, I don't know that band. Uh, they, they, they had a, they had a hit uh, last yeah. two years ago. Like uh, they, they're like kind of mixing grunge with dance, which is probably even like, the, like even worse. Now I'm telling you that. <laughs> well, no, I mean, that's, that doesn't sound terrible. I mean, arguably that's what, uh, what was the original that mother love bone did before they had all the, all the, they were bef- grunge before grunge had a name on it, but they were really based in funk. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, Jennifer, uh, we've never really talked about Pearl Jam, except that they did play your college. They did. The the (laughs) year after I graduated, which was like, oh, I should come back for that. And again, this is the same, you know, small little, it was come knock hall. And it was literally just, you know, they'd put in, they'd they'd set up all the rows of chairs and we'd watch movies there on, on Wednesday nights. And that's where I saw Meatloaf for the first time live. Um, but a thing that struck me about, you know, like Pearl Jam and Nirvana and, you know, you said the whole Seattle scene. I was always into um, you know, like alternative rock or, you know, new wave, which is what they called it, you know, in the late 80s, uh, early 2000s, I guess. And this is the first time that something that became more mainstream was in that 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 same wheelhouse so for me it was sort of this like validation that like oh all those those things that I liked actually you know they're also they can also be popular and I love this album I played this album over and over and over again and um this is this is a great song I I love I love the sound of it and I got excited I haven't heard it in a long time but it's still it's still just as um, powerful and enjoyable as it ever was. Yeah, this album holds up quite a bit. Yeah, yep. it does really well. So, uh, Brian, I'm curious uh, how you said you were Pearl Jam and not Nirvana. Why is that? Um, part of it was because I literally heard Pearl Jam first. Mm-hmm. You know, I, Nirvana just wasn't on my radar um, until probably a few months later. You know, um, but also I'm not I I wasn't. I think it just comes back to the emotion, the emotion in Pearl Jam, as opposed to, it's it's you know Nirvana is an, an aggressive band. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really got that into bands that were that aggressive. I wasn't mm-hmm. into punk, so although over the years I started liking Nirvana a lot more, they were never my thing. Yeah, that, yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I, I went towards the emo stuff. I went yeah. towards the stuff with emotion. A Soundgarden yeah. blew my mind. Um, and then, like I said, into the actual whole emo scene. Yeah. But um, yeah, I guess that, that's that's really it. They just didn't, you know. Yeah, I mean, like Nirvana, I guess could be like more angsty. Some have even said like whiny, but I mean, just more more angsty and agitated. And this is just it's really deep. I mean, like Black is still one of my favorite songs. It's like that, you know, like there are parts of that are still as heartbreaking hearing it now as it, you know, it did the first time I heard it. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like it's also more universally relatable. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, as as much as all those bands got lumped under grunge, right, they all kind of had different parents. And I think that's what was fascinating, actually, about that music was, you know, like you said, Nirvana's parents were like the Pixies and the Buzzcocks. Like, they were a total from a punk tradition, whereas Pearl Jam came from much more of a a rock, you know, what he was obsessed with The Who. Eddie yeah. Vedder's obsessed with The Who. So they came from a more theatrical, more classic rock bent. And then you've got, you know, Soundgarden, which... The, those guys all looked like they shouldn't have been in a metal band and, and they came from a metal, you know, they yeah. had those metal tones. They just had Chris Cornell out front with a voice that was so streeped and steeped in blues and was able to bring all those other textures to the sound. And they talk, talk about a band that define themselves by using alternate guitar tunings. I mean, yeah. their whole sound came from, you know, drop D tuning <laughs> and it sounded so unique. And, and I mean, but they were a metal band, right? And then they they just totally switched and became this other thing that was more Black Sabbath, yeah, um, influenced. And uh, yeah, they they're up there for me in terms of that whole era. That it was them and Pearl Jam were like I was obsessed with. Right, cool. Well, that is uh, Brian's pick for this songs that changed your life. Beat down alive by Pearl Jam. Usually this is when we ask the listeners to vote for us, but it's really strange to say like my song is more relevant right. than everyone else's. So let's break form a little bit. And Ed. Give me, give me the short version. Why is it, why does music, why does music have the ability to change your life the way that different, maybe, maybe the way it can do that differently than other forms of art? I think music can encapsulate a feeling or a place in like a nice three minute, three to five minute burst that like other forms of media they can do, but they can't do it with such brevity and they can't, they like, like some songs, like you're, it takes you exactly. You're like, oh, I know exactly where I was when I heard that. I know exactly how like my life had was affected, and I know exactly how, like this song, like painted how I saw music from there on out. So I think I think it's like a it's like a it's like a magical form of telepathy that is very <laughs> that has that is just very fast and is like it's more about feelings than about. A lot of other things. Yeah, I think succinctness is mm. kind of the aspect that sets it apart from other mm. art forms. And you're right. There's there's actually a terrible '90s country song by Trisha Yearwood called "The Song Remembers When," mm-hmm. but it's a, a that is kind of true that like you will hear a song, and more than any of the art form, I feel like when I hear a song, I I become transported to the mm-hmm. moment in my life that 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 song is tied to much more than like when i watch a movie it doesn't transport me quite as much i don't know well, brian it, it's because it's it's literally the soundtrack to our lives right you're you're we're, when a song is playing in the background of a really pivotal moment of your life that sticks in your brain mm-hmm. and those emotions immediately will come back to you whether you consciously remember or you know they're, they're there they're, mm-hmm. But I, I was just going to say, to answer your question, like, I, I I think music, it really follows the the natural rhythms of, of us, like our heartbeat and just the different rhythms of life. Mm-hmm. And there's just something that you can connect to. So, you know, it's primal. Like some of the best songs are, are sometimes the simplest rhythms, but that's like how your heart beats, you know? And I've always thought about that. And that's why, you know, popular music rises to the top because yeah. you can connect, literally connect with it in a physical way. And I, and I think the most, at least for me and, and 
uh, yeah, at least for me, the most impactful music just is organic. And I think you're mm-hmm. right. It, it like, like with get better, like that is the sound of your heart beating the way that four on the floor drum beat hits. And then the fact that everything about music has to be created by a person and it can be created by one person. There is a magic when it's created by five people, but it like created with your fingers and your mind and your body has to be utilized to make this happen. Um, it, it, even, even as much as music has become a, a technical art form, you know, a, a computer-based uh, uh, is what I'm going for there. There still is something so organic about it when it when it really is magical. And I think another aspect of that, in, in addition to the, you know, the the music, basically uh, bringing on a, a, a physical response, like creating a mood. I think the the structure of a song is you know it's a it's a story it's a a a human experience usually you know an emotion that you can often relate to and and maybe you're hearing an artist um put into words an idea or an emotion that you've been feeling but maybe you couldn't wrap your head around and like for the first time somebody's vocalizing it and you think oh my god that's what i'm feeling Mm. Oh my God, I'm not alone. It's it. it I think it it it's, it has this bonding agent as well. Yeah. Uh, so I think, but com- combining, um, you know, the, the 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 lyrics of a song to to music that, you know, helps helps kind of usher in all of the emotions. I think it's like when it's done right. Yeah. It's just so amazing. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's kind of like a novel gives you 100% of the story mm-hmm. and a movie gives you 100% of the story. A song gives you 80% of the story and it's mm-hmm. begging you to put mm-hmm. yourself into the yeah. other 20%. I mean, and I've been to so many concerts and, you know, it's just the, the ones that just are so incredible it's like you're just driven to tears it's it's an amazing feeling i mean live music you know it's you you can't you can't ever repeat it you know it's like (laughs) the 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 concert you see on day uh, first night is so different from anything you see on the second night so yeah so put your phone away yeah that's what put your phone away and just (laughs) stop recording it you know experience the moment yeah brian I was just going to say, you know, one of the themes in my movie, John and the Wolf, um, <laughs> that we, we have in our pitch is that what we're trying to convey is that how music describes the indescribable. Mm-hmm. Like that was a big part of what we were trying to do in, in, the, in the script. And uh, it's just true. It's, yeah, it's, it's similar to what you're saying. It's, it, you don't always know what you're feeling or think that anyone understands. And then this song comes along and it encapsulates it in a much yeah. better way. It's yeah. for the perfect way. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is it for us. Now it is up to you, dear listener, to pick your favorite of the four songs that we played this week, the songs that changed our lives. And uh, let us know about the songs that changed your lives. I would love to have a conversation about that with everybody. You can find us online on Facebook at Beatdown Podcast, on Twitter at Beatdown Pod, and on our website at Beatdown Podcast. 
www.podbean.com. Uh, you can also email me at beatdownpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, but yes, I would love to hear your votes and have you tell us a little bit uh, about the songs that changed your life as well. Um, before we go, uh, let's go around the circle. And uh, Jennifer, if people want to find you on the social medias, where mm-hmm. should they go? I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Jenny B Creative. It's J E N N I, the letter B, creative. <laughs> and Ed, where can people find you online? You can find me at Edward Giordano, E D W A R D G I O R D A N O. And this Thursday <laughs> is. is the finale of Big Brother Canada 5, which means you can start following me as of Saturday up until uh, June when Big Brother US starts. So, right. so you get you have a month window. Get, take advantage <laughs> of it. Brian, where can people find you online? Uh, I barely touch Twitter anymore, but it's Brian Lerner at Brian Lerner. Um, I'm I got two Instagram accounts. I'll push uh, my personal one is Brian S Lerner, and I do a wine account at Wine Guy Bry, where you can watch me drink wine and talk about wine and show mm-hmm. you the places I drink wine at <laughs> and where you can buy good wine and you know yes. It's a very and and good you can stuff. you can stalk him and buy him a glass of wine. Yes, which I just <laughs> happened. Awesome! That's I amazing. I found out some girl I met at a wine bar said I I stalk you on Instagram. That's nice. amazing. <laughs> Love it. Good for you. That's fantastic. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook and all the things at Josh Burnell. J O S H B U R N E L L. Uh, I have a movie that's out that you should all go rent on Amazon. It's called Boone the Bounty Hunter. Uh, it is a uh, action comedy starring WWE superstar John Morrison, Lorenzo Lamas, and a whole bunch of other random people. Uh, so you should go check that out uh, on VOD now. And that is it for us. We'll be back next week with another topic. I don't know what it is, but we'll figure it out in a minute for the Beatdown Podcast with Josh, Jen, and Ed. Good night, everyone. Good night. Night. See ya. Beatdown is a production of us and is recorded in the office attached to our garage. Our theme song is Optimism by the Numbers by Brian Lerner and used with his permission. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes. It helps others find the show. The music clips we discuss in this podcast are used in compliance with the U.S. Copyright Act, fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. If you want to listen to the songs we talked about this week in their entirety, visit us on Twitter at BeatdownPod, online at BeatdownPodcast.com, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash beatdownpodcast. <laughs>